0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Editor Knows Best. My name is Katira Poland. I am the CEO of Love for Words, an editing boutique for CEO authors and writers. I am also the creator and hostess of Editor Knows Best, the, pack, the podcast that you're listening to now for authors and writers. We do have a very special guest today. He published his first book in March of 2020, Eating the Forbidden Fruit, and it is a gritty fiction novel Um, He hails from St. Louis. He was actually born in Japan and then moved to St. Louis shortly thereafter. He is a former popular tattoo artist and a survivor of lupus, mental health, and depression. So it will help me in welcoming uh, Roland Page. And thank you so much for being our guest today, Roland. Thank you, Katara. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So can you just tell us a little bit more about your book,
1: Um, and what, you know, our audience or readers should expect? Sure. Uh, Let let me say this. I first wrote the book to battle depression and uh, to uh, accomplish another thing. I promised my mother, she passed two years ago. She asked me to promise that I would complete this book before she passed, and I did. And I kept my promise to my mom, and at the same time, helped me, mentally to manage my depression but my book is it's a true fiction i labeled it a fiction to protect and respect the privacy of uh characters within my life and within the novel also Um, it's basically based on my life but the catalyst what started it is uh, a situation that I dealt with as a former police officer. I was convicted of federal crimes due to my affiliation As a, in, in my childhood, people who I considered family, and uh, my charges are, were um, drug charges. But, you know, when people think about that, you hear about law enforcement, you think about, uh, especially with the controversy going, going on now that, I was indulged in maybe taking drugs or whatever. It's nothing like that. It's really a deep book. And you got to really uh, get into it to read it to see how conspiracy and things like that, how you can get tied in.
0: OK, yeah, well, that sounds like a um, a really great read. And I'm sure our listeners, and even myself, will be interested in that. Um, do you have any plans for a sequel at all?
1: Sure, I should. Sure. Actually, you know, you know, one thing about depression and lupus, you know, it it it, it comes up sporadic, terror. you know, sometimes I could be in the best mental health and then, you know, like symptoms of lupus could hit you, you know, and uh, thus far, especially with the pandemic, you know, I was battling paranoia, phobia and whatnot. I'm a germ- germaphobe too, okay. even before this. Okay. So um I actually completed a second book which is called Skin Deep. And that's uh that's about the tattoo industry, the temptations, being a married man dealing with tattoos, you know, it's a lot of drama within it and it's and it's a lot of com comical things that you wouldn't think of uh in the tattoo industry, you know. It's it's just crazy. And uh, my third book, Katara, will be uh, called Walking the Purple Road. And that's my battle with Lucas.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for, you know, sharing your story. And like I said, I'm sure that um, there were, you know, readers and listeners um, who would definitely be interested in your story. So what are some of the things
1: or some of the people who motivated you to write? Actually, my attorney, uh, my attorney, he's a great attorney. His, his name is Scott Rosenblum. He actually gave me full authority to use his name within the book. Um, but he asked, he he told me, like during my detainment, uh, I hate saying locked up. It's just, it just sounds so bad. But during mm-hmm. my detainment, uh, you know, he told me write journals. You know, to keep my mind busy. So that's what I did. I had never any intentions on. Uh, releasing a book, Katara, because to, to be honest, you know, I was, I was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's a nightmare, like a nightmare to me when people ask me a nightmare, it's like getting eaten by a shark and at the same time drowned. Well, mm-hmm. another nightmare, it's not as severe as like, you know, being a, a, um, a respectable, especially in the community, a community, police officer, and then, Few hours later, you're getting booked in by by the feds. You know, it, it was it, it was really a smack in the face. But you know, I have no regrets. And uh, you know, I'm not saying I I wasn't guilty because I was guilty. Evidently, you know, I got convicted of it. But it's not like what a lot of people think. You know. Okay. Okay. So I, without, oh, go ahead. Without giving out the plot but I, I, I would tell any reader or uh, anybody interested in getting the book, you won't be disappointed. And you can see even from, it's like really being in uniform with me and you can see some of the ethical things that police officers go through and have to go through and maintain. And, and especially in this day and age, you can see all the uh, flaws within uh, law enforcement.
0: Okay. Yes, thank you. I can just imagine, you know, all that you went through as an officer. And that would be a very, um, a, that will be a read that I would be interested in and learning more about uh, that world, um, especially considering all that's going on. So I'm sure that um, a lot of people would love your, your perspective on that and to read your book about that. So um, you did mention, um, you know, that writing has helped you work through some of the um, either some of the trauma or some of the difficulties you face. So what would you recommend to other authors um, or writers who um, are struggling with, you know, personal battles or things that they feel overwhelmed by?
1: You know, one thing for me was writing uh, something that I, ha- I didn't have to research on and something that came so organic and, and, and it, it was easy for me to flow, and also, I looked at it like this, Katara. I was actually archiving and actually uh, uh, reintroducing things that I thought I forgot about, those little, especially losing my mom, you know, just sitting there okay. writing, little things came back to me, because uh, another thing with lupus, I sometimes have short time, short-term memory loss, mm-hmm. but lo- a lot of things came back to me and it brought a smile on my face. And these are the things, it's a blueprint that I can leave, leave for my kids. I have a, a three boys and one girl. And it's something I can leave a legacy for all my generations to come.
0: That's yes, awesome. And um, I actually published my first book of poetry in March. So I can definitely relate to using writing as a form of therapy. Um, getting oh, am yeah. getting drama. Um, also just, you know, putting your, your words and thoughts on a page instead of
1: having them bottled up inside of you. So I definitely agree with that. And I commend you on poetry because it's so beautiful. That's a, you know, you're an artist. Like mm-hmm. I, I was a tattoo artist. Mm, and yes. you know, we got a natural ability to take words or thought yes. and put it on a canvas on paper and share it to the world. Yes, yes, yes.
0: So did you use any of your like tattoo art to draw on as far
1: as writing? I don't Definitely. like I've I've had, I have always had a way of expressing and okay. seeing the good out of things like uh in New York I was a graffiti artist. Mm-hmm. So I could take an old building and, and make it, you know, appealing to the eye. You know, so sometimes I see the beauty in in things that some people may not.
0: All right, All right. That's definitely a gift. Um, and thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Um, I don't have the, I don't have the talent with the pen or drawing, <laughs> or pencils or anything like that. But I always admire, you know, people who are able to you know, share their gifts in that way. Um, similarly, she got it with the words. Right. Dang, that's,
1: even, that's even more difficult, you know, because it really takes thought to, to make something flow like that. Yes, yes, I
0: agree. I agree. I think they both take a lot of thought and natural talent. So, I mean, I commend us both for this, for the creative fields that we're in. So is there anything that is challenging for you when it comes to writing?
1: Or anything that made it more difficult for you to finish your book? Fatigue, uh, and that's uh, one of the primary symptoms of, of lupus. Okay. And sometimes, like I said, short term memory loss. Because sometimes, when you, the, the side effects of a lot of medication you, you, okay. you take, you know, can really affect it. And uh, you know, sometimes I have to regroup myself. Maybe take a, you know, I can't even drive. So I tell my wife, hey, look, okay. look let's take a drive and I can collect my thoughts. So, you know, the, the most challenging thing was dealing with lupus and trying to write the book. But, you know, on the other end, it was actually, you know, therapeutic also because it helped with the depression.
0: That's awesome. So, is did you do anything like journaling or anything like that that helped you?
1: Yeah, I, well, like like when I was, you know, um, detained when I was in uh, detained when I was okay. in the Feds, I I I kept journals of uh, uh, just certain things, incidents, what I went through. Mm-hmm. I even did it regarding my case. Mm -hmm. And uh, which I thought might be beneficial for my attorney to know. Okay. I want to say this too, before I I forget, uh, Mm -hmm. you know what, what also why I pled guilty was because during my, my career as a law enforcement, you know, it's, it's, it's ran by humans and it's always subjected to flaws. Whenever you got humans, nothing, you know, nothing can be uh, perfect. Absolutely. Nothing is divine. I did a lot of unethical things mm-hmm. that I felt violated me as a father
0: mm-hmm.
1: and as a husband. So when that happened to me, I kind of felt, in a, in a strange way, it may sound strange to a lot of the listeners, but I felt I had that coming. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, had, I felt that, that me acknowledging that I'm guilty was redemption, to get my, my, I feel like karma, you know, that's one of my blurbs. I said, you know, it's a teller karma, confession and and redemption. And I really mean that statement because I feel God came down and and, like whooped me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's honorable that you recognize, you know, that there's consequences and that there's karma and that you, were able to admit that there was wrongdoing and that you had to, you know, there was punishment to come behind that. Um, not everybody has that. Um, not everybody can can admit that. Not, not everybody has that honesty. They point the finger or they blame other people. And then when there's consequences for their actions, it's, they don't want to take the responsibility. So I mean, I think no. it's a good thing that at least you you knew, you know, that there you would have to, to pay for it in some way and that you were willing to do that. Um, so is there anything else that you would want the, the readers to know about your book um, or any suggestions you have as far as like, how did you, well, one of the questions, how did you market your book? Is there anything you would recommend to authors who are trying to get their
1: books out there that worked well for you or maybe things that didn't work well for you? Well, you know, I've always been a good promoter because I had to, because, you know, we own a tattoo business for the last 30 years in downtown St. Louis and as well as, uh, you know, I had a nightclub before and uh, uh, other things, but uh, you know, you got to really get out there and do your grassroots campaign and get to know people or people person. So, Promoting was never an issue with me, especially being you know I didn't tattoo Nelly, Ti, Allen Iverson. Mm -hmm. You know, the in my social media, you can see you know even old school Spice One things like that. So uh, I've have I have always had a following, so that helped me. Now people who don't have that following, uh, man, you got you kind of got to rub elbows and get asked for advice. You know, you can't never be arrogant, and that's why I always say I don't consider myself a author. I, I consider myself more of a humble writer because I'm always, you know, I inboxed you, You know, I didn't, I don't know this game, and I won't pretend to know it. You know, I asked you for your help because I I saw your movement and it was, yeah. it, it 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 stood out so much and it was complimentary, and I said like, yeah. I got to reach out to this sister.
0: Oh, thank you. And thank I did. You. It's been a, it's an honor having you on the show. So you did say um, you built your following. So how did you do that? What would you recommend to those who are looking to build their following because
1: they're aspiring authors? Um, what specific steps did you take to do that? Well, uh, you got to kind of find your niche. And what mm-hmm. I did, uh, I sat down with certain people. Some, uh, One person I considered my, my big sister is Ziola Gay, who is Marvin Gaye's uh, uh, sister. Okay. And, you know, she wrote the play of My Brother Marvin in the book, My Brother Marvin. And, you know, I got a lot of pointers from her. I had people, you know, uh, hold up, you know, help promote my book on social media. The R&B singer, Keith Washington, Donnell Jones. Okay. Uh, oh. Many athletes, you know, who yeah. Nelly, who cool. was saying like, you know, because they always knew my story. Mm-hmm. And they sometimes they encouraged me like Ziola knew about my situation dealing with the police department mm-hmm. years ago. And we're out at a concert and she said, you know, you know, Ro, you you really need to write a book. At that time I was like, Yeah, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe <laughs> not. You know, when you kind of share things that you're very you're kind of ashamed of or embarrassed of. It's, right it's a hard thing to do and and writing a book you got to be transparent absolutely so especially with my case you know okay. it's just so many things that i, I with you. yeah
0: i definitely agree with the transparency it was a challenge for me um to to speak about growing up in a household with domestic violence and being teased for having dark skin and things like that. So it definitely requires transparency. And it it took a long time for me to talk about those things publicly. I wanted to hide those things. And like you said, um, sometimes you feel shame about, you know, the traumas that you faced or gone through. So um, I'm glad that I was able to come to a point where I could Openly talk about it. Although I mean, it's still hard, but I know that I'm not the only one who's gone through it, and I hope that you know my testimony and my sharing inspires other people to you know move past traumas like that. And I think you
1: know what. Go you ahead. Know, you know what? One dilemma I had.
0: What was so that? I
1: told you that that I was transparent about all my uh, ethical acts, my infidelities, mm-hmm. and that's why I commend my wife because she had to proofread that. And she's been so instrumental and supportive of me. This is my wife, uh, you know, I'm 55 years old. I've been with her since I was 16. Wow. She didn't help, like, like my next two books are really dedicated to her mm-hmm. because you're gonna see how this strong black woman fared me through the storm.
0: That is awesome man awesome. And,
1: and you know uh, man i commend her out sometimes i say to myself like like i got, i just apologize out of nowhere like you real i put you through some things and wow you're still here with me yes yes, yes. that's just man i it's just a, a, a amazing you know but that's you know that's that strong love yes it's that I agree love, you honey. know
0: Yeah. Unconditional love. That's, that's awesome. I'm glad that she was a part of the process and that of course, um, you know, she worked through forgiveness and that you were, you know, able to, able to, Uh, keep your union. So you mentioned that she proofread for you. Um, As an editor, I'm always interested to learn authors' experiences with that. So how, you know, how did that feel for you to work with someone proofreading your work? So that's based off, the the question is based off some of the experiences I have with authors who come to me for editing. Um, They're worried about their voice being removed or you know, things like that. They've never worked with an editor. They don't know what to expect. So what would you recommend to authors who are maybe hesitant to hire a proofreader
1: or get an editor? You're going to need it? That's, That's just a given because, you know, the public, even on social media, social media is so dramatic, but they'll tear you apart. Just think how many careers have been ruined by social media, you know? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Not really, and I, I've been seeing like celebrities respond on like things like the George Floyd. And I, I know that they may be good people, but that, that one little sentence, you just ruined your career yes. or made it difficult to rehab it. So, okay. so you know, you, you really need those people uh, to really proofread it and edit it and communicating with them. Like, my editor, you know, I just talked to her. Mm-hmm. I said, look, if you ever come to a thing that you think that you might want to change, ask me. I said, because, you know, sometimes police or law enforcement lingo is different. Right. The streets are different. Coming from the streets, because I grew up in, in the urban area, you know, and uh, uh, not saying I was a product, because I, my, I, I grew up around some good role models. All the choices, and I said this to the judge when I got sentenced, I said like don't look um, at my ignorance at my family don't don't blame them. I said, I grew up around good role models, yeah, mm-hmm. I grew up in the hood, but they they were perfect role models. I said, what, what I'm here is my pure ignorance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so <laughs> you know sometimes the way I translate things from the streets of St. Louis, I had to tell the editor, that may not be the way you want, but it, it has to come from me. Absolutely. So don't
0: dilute it.
1: I said, I want to tell it like it is.
0: Right, right. And that yeah. is one of, the... yes, go ahead.
1: No, no. I, didn't oh, to go ahead.
0: I was just going to say that is one of the lessons that I learned, you know, in the early, early stages of my career as an editor um, is to make sure the, the client's voice is there. Um, So, like you said, it might be a lot of slang or curse words or um, intentional misspellings, things like that, that need to stay there because that's authentic to the author. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean that's the way I would say it, which is fine because it's not my book. So right. thank you for, you know, bringing that to the to the front and encouraging our listeners to still work with an editor or proofreader um, and not be afraid of having a conversation and saying, okay, this is how I want my book to be. So that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that you had a good experience and that you do recommend that
1: authors, you know, have somebody proofread or edit their book. Yeah, but you just said something very uh, informative also like profanity and things like that so if my book is really designated to be inspirational and I want people even people uh uh, on on a spirituality to read it I really don't want to offend some of the writers so Mm -hmm. sometimes you got to really be able to take the advice also for sure because because like you that's one thing I tried to uh state it's it's profanity in it but I try not to just really have it all Mm -hmm. uh, flooded with so much profanity and things that would be offensive to some readers. Right, right. So did you
0: self-publish your first book, or did you go the traditional route? No, self-publish. Okay, and what was that like for you? Did you um, enjoy that experience? Um, It's expensive. (laughs) (laughs) It's expensive. I'm
1: not going to even lie. Why? Why? Okay. it's expensive.
0: Well, yeah, Can but you, you know,
1: you 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 get out what you put in. You know, that's anything in a business. From a business standpoint, as an entrepreneur, you know, uh, you know, you got to spend money sometimes to make money. And with this book, it wasn't about making money with me. You know, I, I live a modest lifestyle. Yes, I got businesses. I turned them all over to my sons, and uh, you know, I live a real modest lifestyle. This was really just the accomplishment of successfully putting this book out, keeping a promise to my mother and uh leaving something for my kids. Yes, awesome,
0: awesome. Yeah. So how did you go about finding your well you said your wife who read your book? Did you have a separate editor or did she you just yes. have her as okay. So how did you go yeah. about finding an editor, a graphic designer? Um how did you how did you find those those
1: people for your team? Well, if, if, when people like, uh, just real quick, if guys, if you want to see some of my graphics, you know, Mm -hmm. you can go to my website, which is a com. That's Arthur R O L A N D and P A G E. Rolling page, com. But, you know, being a business owner and a promoter, because I promoted like concerts here in St. Louis. Okay. uh, Wow. You know, I have my own um, tech team, my graphics, so I was good at graphics anyway. Now, for the editor, I went to school with a a a young lady, well, a distinguished woman by the name of Margina Christensen, and some might know her. She was the editor of Ebony and Jet. Oh, okay, wow. So I reached out to her, and uh, because she wrote a book, and she hooked me up with this lady named look Katara Patton. Oh. <laughs> and Katara works for Essence Magazine. Oh wow. So that's you know, you can find her. Her name is Katara Patton Washington on Facebook. But that's what she does. That's her that's her occupation.
0: Okay. That's all it yeah. sounds like networking was the answer for you. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And, and you know you 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 kill two birds with one stone by doing that because you know you learn their resources they share them with you and and yeah. you know who to reach out to you know Th- thus far I've been getting five star reviews on I haven't got a bad review and I feel blessed mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and I've been dealing with a lot of the reviewers like online book club these people are said to be uh, real. Hard on new authors and things like that but i I think because I'm transparent, I put my heart and soul into it I yeah. think you know that's what they really uh been giving me good recommendations for Yeah, saying you know this guy was transparent he's being honest you know let me uh one thing about law enforcement now you see the brutality of some officers, not all, I believe it's, it's, it's more good ones than bad ones, but the, it doesn't matter. The bad ones spoil the bunch. And you're seeing that. But I will say this. There's other things to think about in law enforcement that's behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Tyra, I, I, and I'm being real. Like You see right. things like with my situation, I'll, I'll leak it a little bit. Say, for instance, like when you get narcotic officers and they they arrest a certain group, and they may be family, and when they interrogate them, one tactic they'll say, like, Well, hey, look, your brother or your best friend already implicated on implicated you in the crime." Mm -hmm. And they would go tell the other individual Mm. the same thing. Right. Now, anybody knows who the street rule, they know once you let these two guys out, what's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) They're going to try to kill each other. Right. And if you read my book without me saying, you'll you'll see situations like that. And that's where I stepped in. Because, okay, and don't get me wrong. I'm not, no justification for no drug dealers. But what I'm saying is, is that if you're gonna prosecute them, prosecute them. If you're gonna lock them up in punishment, that's their punishment. Do that. But a crime of a distribution of drug is don't warrant that these two people commit genocide and kill each other. Mm-hmm. That's just a that's a crime in itself. Right. And, and that's what I used to I, I tell some young officers. You can't have that much passion to solve a crime or uphold the law that you commit a crime yourself. Right. You know, it's levels and things that you got to respect.
0: Yeah, yeah. So did you have any hesitation to write your book? Um, Earlier, I know you said you labeled it as a fiction. Because you wanted to protect, you know, parties who were involved. But at any point, were you like, "I'm not gonna do this" or "I don't want to do this" because I don't want uh, people to be offended or anything like that?
1: Oh, certainly. I I had to leave some things out, you know. Okay. Okay. I tried to be as transparent, but I had the, because it's not about me. It's about mm-hmm. also respecting people who've been good to me, mm-hmm. and and I still to this day I consider them friends, and, mm-hmm. and so. You know, you know, out of respect, I say just certain things I'm going to leave out. Okay, that makes
0: a lot of sense. You know, but, so. That makes a lot of sense. So, I know that, you know, we know that your first book is fiction. Are you interested in writing any other genres besides fiction, or do you just want to stick with that for now?
1: No, You know what? I'm glad you asked me that. You know who's my, one of my favorite writers is, uh, uh, besides Michelle Obama, Mm -hmm. but, uh, um, Stephen King. So this is before I even wrote a book. I wanted to do uh, more of a uh, something for film about horror dealing with the tattoo industry. Yeah, you know. And I can see it. Yeah, because it's it's a lot of funny things, and it's it's you know you get people who come through here. And they get some of the things you may not agree with, like uh, uh, satanic mm. tattoos, and you mm. know the business you got. You can't be discriminatory, right? Right. You know that if you're really open to a business is selling your service. Mm-hmm. So, but it's it's. I didn't seen some weird things. <laughs> yeah. <gonna> <laughs> yeah. So
0: you mentioned um, your past life as a tattoo artist. You also said that you did, um, you know, plan concerts for different artists. So what motivated
1: you to start your own businesses? I looked at it like this when I when I had my business. I actually had my tattoo business when I was a, a detective. So sometimes okay. I used to get off. I used to get off work. Mm-hmm. And go straight to the tattoo business downtown because I was a detective downtown St. Louis. My business mm-hmm. and and actually being uh, a police officer helped me achieving some of the licenses and, and things like that, mm-hmm. and, and actually gaining a, a good rapport with the community. One thing, even to being a tattoo artist, uh, you know, Katara. I tell you what. I used to have people come in and they'll look at me and say, do you remember me bro? I was like, nah. mm-hmm. I'll be like, you know, I, not really. Mm-hmm. And then I said, you know what? You locked me up years ago, but I'm going to tell you this, you treated me so well, man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, I'm solid here in St. Louis as well as some other cities like Atlanta, you know, people know me like TI, things like that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, New York. Uh, yeah. I, I promoted a lot of hip hop shows for people like, Rakim, KRS-One, and, oh, wow. and uh, uh, DMX, Bone Thugs in Harmony. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they know me. When, they, when I got sick, they actually came to St. Louis. My son is a promoter also. Okay. And I, I did a bucket list concert because I didn't think I was going to make it.
0: Mm. I, didn't,
1: I was that sick. My organs were failing and things like that. So uh, he brought Rakim and KRS-One. Mm-hmm. Cause those are my two favorite rappers, mm-hmm. you know, and, yes. and, uh, you know, to this day, I still keep in contact with them.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So was the, was your severe illness, was that due to
1: lupus? Yes. Or, okay. Other Okay. okay. You know, I, one thing I want to share to you, you know, my, like I told you, my mother's from Japan
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: years ago, uh, she got diagnosed with lung cancer. Okay. She went back to Japan to get treated. Wow. -hmm. She came back three months, cancer-free, without getting any chemo. Okay. lung cancer. Yeah. And when we did the Skype interview with the uh, doctor there, the physician, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, he said something that really hit us. He said, here in the U.S., you guys treat... In Japan, we cure. Right.
0: I agree. I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, when you look at the different way, you know, compared to the United States, how other countries, you know, deal with illnesses, they um, tend to take a more holistic approach, um, more natural approach. And I feel like more, you know, it's more successful. You know, they're able to cure versus here. I mean, to treat you, it causes more pain you know chemo is highly you know is very dangerous and it has a lot of negative impact so it doesn't surprise me to hear that she you know went to japan and was able to be cured without the the invasive methods that we practice here
1: exactly
0: but it just shows you know how different our cultures are and you know how we respond to to health you
1: know health issues what you one thing i want to share too is in my book Um, You know, my father was stationed in Japan. That's where he met my mother in uh, Osaka, Japan. She used to, both of them used to tell me stories about how uh, the Japanese really, they love people of color. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing my father shared with me, he said, like, you know, this is back in the uh, days and of course department of defense or uh, the media won't share this but at one time in Japan they told the military they want all the white uh, military personnel to off the island they could go on the boat they could come to the island but they would they didn't want them to stay there, reside there mm. but they said your black soldiers can stay oh hmm. And that my father and mother told me stories mm-hmm. about that. She told me, my father told me like when they came to this country on the boat, they just got married. And uh, uh, you know, when I was born, they told my mom, like you and your child, you can stay in the upper levels, the passenger, but your husband, this is my, my father is a three war veteran for three wars and trained the troops, combat, special forces, And he had to stay in the lower levels.
0: Mm. Yeah. You're not not surprised.
1: With medals, you know, Mm -hmm. with medals. If people go to my website, you'll see, you know, my my pops had the purple heart, you know? Mm -hmm. He lost his foot in the military and still remained in there and trained troops.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, that doesn't surprise me. Um, You know, so many of. You know, so many black people, you know, serve in the military, Navy, Army, um, but still face discrimination even with, you know, those yeah. honors and medals and all the achievements. And unfortunately, it's still very similar today. Um, that Even if you have a degree and you have a business X, Y, Z, um, that racial discrimination is still very rare, um, not rare, real. And the color of your skin kind of super, well, it does supersede you know,
1: it does. A lot it of does. Of cases. Even among yeah. our people, uh, when it comes to light skin, dark skin, absolutely, that, and, and, and a lot of people, some people won't acknowledge that, but it is so true. And I'm going to say this because, like during my career as a police officer, I saw it. Mm-hmm. I saw it. The way people treated me, as even though you know I, I'm very black and proud, yeah, I saw it. The way they treated other officers, right. Or even the public, like if I be out there and they'll come up to me mm-hmm. and avoid talking to this person. Mm-hmm. And, and that bothered me. Absolutely. Because my father was a dark complexion. Mm-hmm. And, and growing up, you know, I used to tell my father, it's in my book, Tara, uh, I said, like, man, I wish I had your beautiful complexion. Yeah. And he said, just be proud of who you are, Papi. Right,
0: right. You know,
1: but, but. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, colorism is definitely still alive and well. Um, oh yeah, that, even and, among our people. You know, oh, for sure. Among our people. Absolutely, yeah. it's it's a part yeah. of white supremacy. It's ingrained, so yes. it won't go away overnight. Um, it's just something we have to continue to talk about and bring to the surface. I actually wrote a poem about it in one in my book, and I read it at my book signing. So, um, I w- you know,
1: I want to read that. I definitely would
0: want to read that. Oh, yeah. It's called uh, Mocha Chocolaté Girls. <laughs> I,
1: I like that. I like yeah. that title. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: yeah, yeah, it's in there. But, um, you know, I talk about my experiences. And then also just observations that it still happens today. I don't know if you saw the video of the little girl who was getting her hair done. Um, and then she mm-hmm. turns to the camera. and She's like, I'm so ugly. And she starts bawling her eyes That's out. And then you know the lady who was doing her hair, consoled her, and um, that just really bothered me because she was only three years old. Like, where are you getting that from at three years old? We know where you she's know, getting it from, but it's just so sad that. So let me early tell, tell life. you
1: something, Katara. What I love about women, you know, I, I can find beauty in, in many things, but what I love as an artist to see beauty at its natural form. You should feel beautiful because you know your complexion to your hair grade is, is less effort, and and what I mean, you don't have to do too. Much. You're just beautiful. You're naturally beautiful. There's no additives or nothing like that, and that's a, that's that's what you call true beauty. Now, That's nothing wrong with makeup. My wife right. wear makeup, and, and right. but 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 when you can see something in its natural state. And they just say how beautiful it is, mm-hmm. and that's what I would like uh, uh, a lot of my dark skinned sisters mm-hmm. to understand. And as a as a male and as a father, you know, just mm-hmm. nothing. You know, know your worth
0: yes absolutely absolutely i agree that's awesome so um thank you so much for the great information the insight sharing a little bit more about yourself your book if our listeners want to keep in touch with you or know you know what's coming up with roland
1: how can they they keep in touch with you uh well like i said on my website which is again www.arthurrolandpage.com uh usually I'm on social media, Facebook, which is Roland Page, or Eating the Forbidden Fruit. Just message me. And you know what? As a businessman, I make sure that I hit everybody back in my inbox. (laughs) Awesome. I I, I do that, you know? Great, great. Thank you so much
0: again, Roland. It has been an honor and a pleasure speaking with you on Editor Knows Best. And thank you to all of our listeners. The episodes air every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash editor knows best. Thanks again, Roland. Thank you everyone for listening and be safe and be well. You too. Thank you. Thank you.